the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I want you to understand something. Go to the Christian bookstores, open up Amazon, get all you can from solid sources and read. That's fine. Listen to the podcast. That's commendable. But understand this. Let your primary source be the Word of God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Turn with me in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 5, is where we're going to find our text for our time together in God's Word. But before we get to that, I want to ask you three questions. Number one, do you believe that everybody you know is going to spend forever somewhere? Yes? Number two, do you believe that you have the opportunity to influence or impact where the people in your little corner of the world spend eternity? Yes or no? Number three, and don't answer this question. Are you doing whatever it takes, wherever you are, to reach those in your little corner of the world? Since Easter weekend, I've been asking you a single question. Who's your one? Several weeks ago, I asked you to fill out this little card. Today, you got another one of these in your bulletin. At the close of today's service, I'm going to ask you to do something we did not ask you to do the first time. I'm going to ask you to take this card and give this to us so that we can join you in praying for your one. I believe God wants us to do whatever it takes to reach our one. But the problem with the church today is we're not doing those things we profess that we should do. Now, I recognize we're in different categories here today. Some of you have been longtime followers of Jesus Christ. Others of you are newer in your faith journey, and still others yet have not yet begun a journey with God. But for those of you that have been at this a while, if I were to ask you what is it we're supposed to do, many of you would quote verses to me, verses like Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus said to them, go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit. Or Acts 1.8. And you shall be my witnesses. We, We understand what we are to do. But as a church, we're a lot better at talking about what we're supposed to do than doing what we're supposed to do. And I suppose that fits with our culture today, right? 
because in our social media world, it's pretty easy to fake it. It's pretty easy to act like our lives are wonderful on social media. In fact, there was kind of a faking experience this week. Uh, A young girl named Casey, she posted on Instagram a post that got thousands of pictures, and she said, nature is the ultimate healer to our problem, hashtag nature lover. She had just been on this extravagant long hike in the wilderness until her sister Carly posted this picture. They were literally posing in the backyard. Casey had not been on a hike. (laughs) She was faking it. And it's easy to post Bible verses. It's easy to talk about the things of God. I believe God wants us to start faking it. I believe that instead of being fakes, he wants us to become those who are doing whatever it takes to reach those in our little corner of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand the context for the passage of Scripture we're about to read in the book of Luke. Jesus has now begun his season of ministry. He's called the disciples, and now we're starting to see him do the miracles. We're starting to hear his teaching. It will be in this season that he gives us what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes are taught to us in this season of ministry. The greatest stories that you hear of Jesus are now beginning to take place. I want you to see some of this context from Mark's account of this gospel. Many of you know that in the gospels, we have slightly different versions of the same stories because like you and I, these gospel writers saw these events through their eyes, their perspective, and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, they wrote down not differing facts, but a different angle, a different view of the same facts. So before we dive into Dr. Luke's account in Luke chapter five, I want you to see how Mark in chapter two sets up this same story. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now, who's the he that we're talking about in this passage? Thank you. We're talking about Jesus. Whew, y'all are waterlogged today, right? We're talking about Jesus, and where does it say Jesus was? He's at home. I just want to remind you, oh, this is so good. It's worth your price of admission today. You don't have to go to a foreign mission field. God's best begins right where you are. You'll never be a better Christian than you are at home. It's essential for me that my boys and my little girl, that my wife, are the first to see that I love Jesus. It's essential for me that they don't think their daddy is is one thing at church and a different thing at home. Because my first responsibility as a Christ follower begins at home. Now, Mark tells us where home was. And home was the hometown of Jesus, Capernaum. You know what I love about the scriptures? We can look in our world and see that these things 
describe real places. So just about 15 months ago, I was in the town of Jesus with some of my friends from here, the city of Capernaum. We were able to stand in the ruins of an ancient Jewish synagogue and think about uh, the teachings of Jesus that would have taken place there. I was even able to stand on the side and, and teach uh, our team uh, just some of the truths of scriptures right there in that place. But then we saw the place where this story could have happened. It's called the House of Peter. Now a church, a Catholic church, is built over these ruins. These ruins that go back as many as 2,000 years. These ruins that could have been the place that's described in this story. One of the most famous houses in the Bible, along with the house of Mary and Martha, where Jesus would go and hang out. This is a house that if you've heard vacation Bible school stories, you've probably heard about. It's the house described in Mark 2 and in Luke 5. Verse 2, Mark says, many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And before I go on and get into Luke 5, I just want to tell you, here's a principle. When Jesus is in the house, he'll draw people to him. That's the promise from his lips. If, If I'm exalted... I'll draw all men to me. So I want you to think about that today. But I, want, I don't want you just to think about the church house. I want you to think about your house. Uh, I want you to think about your community and what you're doing to demonstrate and model the presence and the passion and the power of Jesus. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 17. This is the word of God. On one of those days as he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, I need to pause there because I want you to understand something. This took place as Jesus was doing what? What does it say? As he was, he was teaching. Now, here's a question for you. What was Jesus teaching? Self-help books? Principles on how to be a, a good business person? Steps to miraculous healing? I mean, what was he teaching? He was teaching the scriptures. So in his day, it would be what we call the Old Testament. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, let's say them together, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He would have been teaching the history books of Scripture. He would have been teaching the prophetic Scriptures. He would have been teaching the wisdom literature. He was teaching the Scriptures. Why? Because there's always been power in the Word of God. And so I I don't want you to be confused. The power of God was always with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is... He's God, right? But in this moment, I think Dr. Luke was wanting us to understand there is power in the word of God. I wonder in your life, are you relying on the word of God? I like to learn from all kinds of sources. Late last night, I was boarding a plane in McAllen, Texas, and I saw a book in the person's hands next to me, and I, I turned to them and said, let me see that book, and, and I looked at it, and, and the guy said, I'm going to send you a copy, and my friend Ken Whitten was just behind me, and he said, 
You don't need him to send you one. Just download it on your Kindle right now and you can read it on the plane. And I turned around and told him, I don't like to read books electronically anymore. I'm a bibliophile. I, I like to hold the books in my hand where I can look at it, where I can, where I can see it, and, and where I can turn the pages and underline it in the old-fashioned way. I mean, I, I like knowledge from all kinds of sources. I, I read a lot. I, I listen to other people. I, I watch a lot. I study. But I'm relying on the Word of God. If you've just joined us, You're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And I want you to understand something. I think we need a fresh awakening of that in the church with a big C, the global church today. We rely on a lot of things that perhaps we should not rely on. This entire message is about doing whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. So yes, we should use our creativity. Yes, we should use anything we can. Put all the kind of bait we can gather in the water to catch as many fish as possible. But our ultimate reliance is on the word of God. Why? Because according to scripture, in his word, we have everything we need. Listen to what Second Peter chapter 1 says, verse 3, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm going to say that again. His divine power has granted us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So what do I need to do if I want to make it? I need to rely on him. How do I rely on him today? Well, one way I do that is prayer. The other way I do that is getting into his living word. And do I understand it's living? Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it was Paul that wrote, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and a marrow, discerning the thoughts and the attentions of the heart. I want you to understand something. The core of your faith must not be based in emotion or experience. It must not be shaped as a result of celebrity or or charisma. The foundation of your faith must be formed in the word of God. And in our Christian culture, we're seeing the danger of that not being the case. We're seeing the danger of letting celebrity Musicians or thought leaders guide us when they may not be entirely tethered to the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And this week in particular, we we saw that as yet another, from the last several weeks, yet another high-profile Christian individual allegedly walked away from their faith in Christ I have to tell you, part of the challenge as I hear something like that, and the reason I say allegedly is because the Bible says that when I come to Jesus, I meet him face to face. And what I know is I can't unsee one who I've seen. So we have to wonder if these folks are truly away, were they ever here? What we do know is we must pray for them, but we must learn from these situations. 
So some of you saw, and many in our church even reposted a response to the latest falling away that went viral. It was by the lead or the front man, John Cooper from the band Skillet. Listen to what he said. It's time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the word and to value the teaching of the word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion. And what we are seeing now as a result of the church, raising up influencers who did not supremely value truth, and they've led a generation who also do not believe in the supremacy of truth. I want you to understand something. Go to the Christian bookstores, open up Amazon, get all you can from solid sources and read. That's fine. Listen to the podcast. That's commendable. But understand this, let your primary source be the word of God. One of my challenge to some of my young brothers and sisters, and usually it's my young brothers who, who get to this point with our machismo that we think we know it all, They're listening to the podcast of their favorite Christian celebrity, but when it comes to them spending time personally in the Word of God, it's not there. That's not okay. That's going to lead you onto shaky ground. Jesus was teaching the Word, and as a result of his teaching the Word, the power of of God was greatly with him. Don't miss that. There's great power that appears when the word of God is spoken. Verse 18, and behold, some men, I love this, (laughs) because in our day when we're all about platform, we don't know these guys' names. We don't know who they are. Some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst of Jesus. And when he, who is he? When he saw their faith. Do you hear that? He saw their faith. Now, in Hebrews, we learn that faith is the substance of what? It's the substance of things unseen. Jesus saw their faith. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious people, they begin to question saying, who who is it that speaks these blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts... (laughs) When, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, did you know Jesus perceives your thoughts? Now let's just have a pop quiz here. How many of you would say, I had some thoughts this week I wish Jesus would not have perceived? Anybody else in that category? Yeah. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar right now. I'm just telling you, you are. But Jesus perceives our thoughts. But let me tell you what that means. How many of you had some thoughts that nobody else knew about, but they were about your burdens, they were about your griefs, they were about your heartaches, maybe your loneliness, your deepest sorrow, and you're grateful that he perceived your thoughts? You see, he knows you. We've been learning, he sees you, and now we hear he perceives our thoughts. But perceiving their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Now, if I'm just a logical academician, I might think, boy, Jesus misspoke. 
He meant to say, what are you thinking in your head? Or what are you thinking in your mind? Because do we question in our heart or in our mind? I think Jesus was not misspeaking. I think Jesus was reminding us that when we come to him, we come to him with every fiber of our being. We lay it all down at the feet of the cross. We come to Jesus with all that we are. That's why, particularly with young boys and girls, it's okay to say you're asking Jesus into our our hearts. I've heard that all my life, and I've never met any person that thinks a miniature Jesus is actually walking into our arteries. I don't think we have to worry about confusing boys or girls or grown adults about that. We understand that you don't have a life without your heart. So when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you're saying, come into everything that gives me life. Come and take control of all that is in me. And so when Jesus said, why are you questioning me in in your heart? He's saying, why is it that in your innermost being, you can't simply trust me? And that's at the heart of the question that every one of us have to ask and answer. With with all that I am, not just intellectually, not emotionally, not experientially, do I trust Jesus in my inner man, in my inner woman, with all that I am? Which is easier, he says, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He he said to the man who was paralyzed, "I, I say to you, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. Jesus had already given him his greatest miracle. How do I know that? What was the greatest miracle? He forgave his sins. But I I want you to understand something. At the heart of what you need is, is the forgiveness of sins. Your soul health. But it's okay to to pray for the desires of your heart. We have to understand that if God's grace is all we get, his grace is enough, right? His grace is sufficient. If, If I go through this life with heartache and with hurts, and yet I have the salvation of God, that is enough. But it's never wrong to pray for healing. It's never wrong to pray for provision. It's never wrong to, to pray for relationships when you're lonely. And in this case, Jesus not only answered his prayer by healing his soul, he healed his body. And then notice the end, and immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on, and we went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. That's everybody watching. And they glorified God. And they were filled with awe, saying, (laughs) We have seen extraordinary things today. Let me just give you a few truths. When you think about those people that you know, I want you to understand your friends, your family, your relatives, your coworkers, your neighbors. Some people will never come to Jesus unless their friends bring them. That's the heart of the story, right? Four no-named individuals bringing their friends to Jesus. I hope you took the opportunity a, a couple of weeks ago to, to pick up one of the thank you notes we made available and, and wrote a thank you to that person that's impacted you for the gospel. Now, the person that led you to Jesus may have already gone into eternity. That's okay. 
Write a note to someone who's demonstrated the love of Jesus in your life. Somebody that's reminded you of the grace of God or or shown you the truth of the gospel. And if you still need some of those thank you notes, uh, you can pick those up at our resource center right after the service. But live in that idea of gratitude for those people that have experienced that care for you in your life. Those no-named people cared enough for their friend. They were passionate enough to make sure they got him to Jesus. Do you have that kind of passion for your friends? Who's your one? Who's that one person that you're focusing on, that you're praying for, that you're reaching out to, that you're sharing your story with? Lives are changed for eternity when we do whatever it takes to get our friends to Jesus. And there's stories of that happening right here in our church. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to MissionHillChurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at MissionHillChurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.